Hello, and welcome to Follow the Woo podcast, where each week I, Fenelong Kush, will guide you on a journey into the land of the woo. We're going to investigate witchcraft, meditations, the paranormal and supernatural, alien and fae encounters, gurus, shamanism, and, and, and all the woo. So hold on to your butt. This just might be the weirdest part of your day. Hello, woo followers. It is I, your fearless leader, Fen. Actually, maybe it's more like fearful leader lately. Man, I have been going through some weird stuff. Maybe it's the Percocet that they have me on post-surgery. Maybe it's because I'm doing this podcast. And like I said before, at the end of part one of Marianne's interview, once you start opening the doors to this kind of stuff and you listen to different people's versions of these stories, I don't know. I think things start to happen to you if you're open to it. I'm not saying immediately you're going to see like Bigfoot or you're going to, you know, run into a vampire or something. But I do think you start to open your mind to things that maybe you hadn't before. So yeah, I'm not your fearless leader. It's okay to be afraid. We just don't want to have fear be the one driving the car. But you guys already know that. Anywho, what is happening in the second part of Marianne's interview? We are going to talk about fear. Um, Sort of the central message is this mantra that I heard yesterday in one of my pre-interviews, which was fear equals fuel. And I thought that was so great. It's so simple, but it's so definitive. Fear equals fuel. The more fear you have, the more fuel you're giving to that thing that you fear. And you don't have to apply this to vampires and aliens. You can also apply it to anything else in your life. Public speaking, communicating with your mother-in-law, this mantra is applicable. So we do talk a lot about that, how to deal with a ghost that's in your bedroom that might just be trying to get your attention. You remember when I talked to Tom Stewart about his ghost in episodes, what, seven and eight, I believe, where he was like, at, at some point, I was just sort of letting the ghost do his thing and mess with the stuff on my dresser because that's what he wanted to do. And they just came to an agreement. We also talk about aliens and this pact with the U.S. government. And we comment on love and light and why that can be problematic and how it can be spiritual bypassing, which we're going to cover later with an awesome witch that I got to interview a few weeks ago. We also stay on the reptilian thing for a hot second. And then we'll move into a ghost story at the end just because it's awesome. It involves four witnesses. Those are my favorites, right? Because then you've got all these people who are just like WTF together. Anyways, this episode is important, especially if you're still practicing putting up boundaries with entities of any kind in the land of other. So let's get to it. You mentioned the reptilian 
in a few weeks, I'm talking to an expert on conspiracy theories, including reptilian overlords. And he's a very smart man and very kind. And he's like, there's no such thing as reptilian overlords. I don't believe in it. Do you think there are reptilians or reptilian looking species of star people, but they're not necessarily the Illuminati overlords, or maybe they are? What do you think? Okay, so this brings us to the subject of star people like humans. So there are groups of star people that are the ones that I work with, and I call them my team. They are benevolent. They are non-interfering. They want humanity to grow and develop spiritually and be an independent species without outside influence from any group. Then there are a group of star people, and these are various species that are just neutral. They watch the benevolent ones, they watch the ones that aren't benevolent, and they just observe us. They don't interfere, they don't take any sides. Then there's the third group, which the US government made a pact with, that are not benevolent to humans. In fact, they could care less about us. They have an agenda that is very nefarious. And some of these beings that belong to that group are different species of grey. Now, there's many, many species that go by the name greys, and not all of them fall into the malevolent category. Not all of them fall into the benevolent category either. It's like humans. You have your mix of your good and your bad within each species. Like you can't say all white people are mass serial killers and all Asians are not, you know, because it's dependent on each species. And each of those species have free will within their Mm. species. Some do, some don't. Some don't, interesting. Some have a hive mind. They work like one vehicle, but it's a a bunch of little entities connecting. That's hard for humans to wrap their heads around. It is, it is. (laughs) The thing that I had the most difficulty wrapping my head around was the fact that I work with a group of beings. Well, I did initially when I first started coming into myself again in my 30s with a group of beings that called themselves the Council of Elders. Now, these were different species and some were males, some were females, some were neither. And it was really, really difficult for me to get it. I could not conceive of a humanoid being that was neither male nor female. I just couldn't get my head around it. And I struggled. They laughed at me because it was a real struggle for me. I could conceive male, I could conceive female, but I couldn't conceive neither. Even as a human species, we're accepting that non-binary, not not yeah. all of us by any means, yeah. but it's starting to become a more common topic. Absolutely. And of course, we're talking like over 30 years ago. I wonder if they're like kind of thinking you guys are a little behind. The ones that I've spoken to find humans very interesting because they said to me, Marianne, we find it endlessly amusing that humans have this need to categorize and put in boxes. You're male, you're female, you're a girl, you're a boy, you're blue, you're green, you're black you know, whatever. We have this need to categorize and put in boxes because that's how we process things here. But star people, for the most part, don't do that. It's not even an issue. It's just a human way of thinking. 
I try to empathically pull myself out of being human for a second and watch us sometimes. And I think, <laughs> wow, we are so weird. We really do have some strange habits. <laughs> Actually, a funny thing. One time I was talking to these beautiful women. Oh, my gosh, they were stunning. They were, I don't know what species they were. They were really tall and their skin was so black. It was blue blue really blue and their hair they could just do these amazing things with their hair they didn't have to do anything to hold it it just would all automatically go and we were talking about I don't know we were talking about humans and I was saying oh well we pluck our eyebrows and they said but doesn't it cause you pain I said yeah well, why do you do it why do you cause yourself pain why is it necessary well if only they knew the pain <laughs> that women adhere to in this world yeah yeah the, yeah the, they, the they, plucking your eyebrows is the minimum pain and we got to talking about waxing they couldn't understand why we would put ourselves through that in order to conform to somebody's standard of beauty some of that behavior is just pretty insane if you think about it, just like yeah, nonsensical. Just I want to go back real quick to the U.S. government pact. Did do you think that has to do with the Illuminati conspiracy or do, what do you think about that? OK, my understanding is way different from what's taught in this world. In a nutshell, there's a group of beings. There is a black government. You could call them Illuminati, but they're just not really important in the scheme of things. They're just tools. So there is a group of beings who control this current reality that we're aware of. And these are the ones that your government made a pact with. But the ones that they made a pact with, they're not the controllers. They're just minions of the controllers. The controllers are actually very beautiful beings, very beautiful to look at. You know, they'd make you drop your trousers when you saw them. You know, that <laughs> stunningly beautiful beings uh, would could be referred to as the Greek and Roman gods, those type of beings. And those and, are the beings uh, in charge, the controllers of our government in the U.S. or all governments? That, no, that, no, they're the overall controllers of this current reality. But they have underlings that do the work for them. They have underlings that are here on this planet who take orders from them. So it's a hierarchy. They're the top, the ones that the Illuminati type ones, they're kind of like middle rung. They think they're high, but they're not. They're not. And mm. these controllers, are they all malevolent or is it a grab bag or they're mm. malevolent? Yes. Yeah. Now, mm -hmm. how the fuck do we get the malevolent ones in charge of our current reality? Can we kick well, them out? Uh, well, there's currently an ongoing, let me say, discussion that's been had that's been going for quite some time. And those that currently control this reality are in the process of being removed. Oh, excellent. Some, mm. By someone higher in a different realm. By the team that I work with. And, and that is the Council of Elders. It's the Council of Elders. There are many councils, okay? But the ones that I work with, think of it like Star Wars, okay? There's the good force and then there's the others. Mm. So it's the good force that's organizing the removal of the others. And just because the U.S. has had such a shit show for the past four years with Trump and everything, what do you feel about that decision with Trump? Was that a direct order from the malevolent douchebags? It's all or? a smokescreen. One side is 
pretty much the same as the other. They just give you an illusion of choice. There is no mm. free will here. Everything in this reality is tightly, tightly controlled, mm. tightly controlled. You're told from the time you are born pretty much how to think, how to feel, how to act, how to behave. If you don't believe this then you're going to hell if you don't believe this or follow this tenant then you're unevolved or unspiritual or you're a young sign you've got lots to learn there's so many ways that people are controlled in this reality that they don't realize we do have the ability to cultivate free will but it's almost like we have to strip away layers of bullshit to do it absolutely Absolutely, absolutely. And that's part of the reason why I started the group was to educate people. And also one of the reasons why I started the podcast as well is because I could reach so many more people and at least get them to question what they perceive as their reality. When I started this podcast, I just knew in every rudiment of my being this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm. I'm a project junkie. So I've had many iterations. <laughs> None of them felt like this. And it was almost instant. It was this yeah. feeling that this has to happen. And so many unusual conversations and people and other ways of thinking have come into my life. And it feels like I'm on this journey now. And I'm mm -hmm. going to open doors that have been closed. Like you said, we're so taught to adhere to all these rules and conform that when we start to break that paradigm up, it feels scary at first. How do you help your listeners deal with fear? Well, firstly, I always say to people, you don't have to believe a single word I'm telling you. I'm not asking you to believe me. I'm asking you to question what I'm telling you. Question, 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 question everything. Anybody tells you, you should always question it. How does this feel? How does this sit with me? Does this make me feel comfortable? Does this feel right? Does this raise more questions than it answers? Does this make me feel uncomfortable, uneasy, like I'm trapped? Or how does this make me feel? If the answer is the former, it makes me feel comfortable. It raises questions, but I can see ways where I can search out more answers. Then follow that, listen to that, do some more research. It's about planting seeds. And if it doesn't feel right for you, then discard it. You've lost nothing but five minutes of your time. Your podcast and mine as well, we're covering not just star people, but also shadow people and paranormal ghosts and spirits and all different areas. Is that your advice for each one of those areas? Like if somebody has a ghost in their house, what tools do you teach them to feel powerful in the midst of something that's so different and scary? Okay, so the first thing I always say to people is that you are not powerless. You are more powerful than you realize you are. That this spirit that you've got in your home can only create these fear feelings in you. And it does that because it feeds off the fear if it's a negative thing. But they're not all negative. You know, like you, first you have to recognize what you're feeling. And it's very natural to fear something that we don't understand. And a lot of people think that because somebody is in spirit, then they're all knowing and they're all wise and they have all the answers. But no, I tell people, no, that's actually not true spirit they have the same character the same personality they had when they moved over 
their basic personality doesn't alter. And just because they're in spirit doesn't mean they're suddenly all-knowing. No, not at all. People think that because somebody's in spirit that you automatically have to respect them and have to believe everything that they tell you. But spirit still has their agenda. So you treat them just like a living person. When it first happens and you're scared, that's a normal reaction. Like if somebody suddenly appeared beside me, I'd get a hell of a fright. It would startle me because that's a normal human fight or flight response. Everybody does that. But I, I say to people, you need to listen to what your body's telling you. You need to listen to what your feelings are telling you. Sure, it's scary when this happens, but are they doing anything that makes you scared? Or is it just the fact that it's unknown and it's unseen and you can't see it? Is that what scares you? That's such a good point because we are taught if it's different, it's bad. The reptilian, right? You were like, whoa, that guy, he looks like a bad dude. Yeah, yeah. That's only from our narratives that we've got running around in our heads. And it's like, oh, reptilians are evil. So distinguishing that, and I think that takes practice, right? It does take practice. People who come into my group who have questions, I encourage them to feel, to listen, to ask. I say to them, have you asked this person what they want? Try a dialogue. Try dialogue because you've got to treat these people like they're living people. Just because they're spirit doesn't mean they don't feel. Can you imagine what it's like if you're a spirit and there's somebody in the room in front of you and you're doing everything you can to get their attention, but they're still ignoring you? How does that make you feel? Well, not good. Exactly. Annoyed. Yeah. It can make you feel annoyed, it can make you feel hurt, it can make you feel angry. And that's the same for spirit, when they're trying to get our attention for a reason. And sometimes they just simply want acknowledgement that, hey, I'm here, I still exist. Speaking of that world, spirit specifically, and ghost hunting and that kind of thing, do the star people have any advice for you as far as how to communicate with them? Or did it just come naturally? No, it just came naturally, yeah. Because you had already had a foundation. Yes. Got it. I've spoken to some people who have said that they communicate with aliens and they have said some of us are aliens too, or some of us have some alien DNA. What have you heard on that topic and what do you know about that? There is a hybridization program going, but that's with those that made the agreement with your government. Is Queen Elizabeth a lizard person? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That's David Icke's theory, isn't it? I know. Yeah, no, I'm not sure about that. I know they're not what they make themselves out to be, but I don't know about that. Certainly there are alien species living amongst us that you could not tell were alien. I've always had very strong, weird experiences, no matter what. I always have the strongest experience of the group. And I do feel like sometimes I couldn't put my finger on it at the time. But looking back, I'd be like, I don't know if they're from here. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the energies are different, quite different. I mean, there's been a couple of times when I've seen some walking down a busy main street. One time I was in my 20s and I was walking down a main Auckland street, which is a big city in New Zealand and this tall beautiful woman walked past me and she was wearing a suit and she had long hair tied in a bun and she looked me directly in the eyes as she walked past me and she smiled and it wasn't until she'd gone past me that I suddenly twigged oh my god that's not a human and it turned around and she wasn't there she knew you knew yeah 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 yeah. what is the central message that these star people give to you over and over again? One is looking after the planet. 
and how our planet is going through her own growth and her own development. She's a living entity, a living being. And she, like us, goes through her own stages of growth and development. And she's currently about to go through a massive growth period, which will affect all humanity in one way or another because it's going to create changes that are necessary part of her growth. So it's about Earth. It's about looking after her. It's about taking care of her and not polluting. You know, all the things we should be doing. It's about humans getting back in touch with nature as it should be. This consumerist society that we live in is not sustainable for the planet, for us. And one thing they've shown me repeatedly since I was a little child, is the earth changes that will happen to the planet and how it's going to affect humanity. Mm. So that's one message that's been consistent my entire life. I've always been a prepper. I've always had food storage. I've always had water, bug out bags, emergency plans, because it's important that people do that as a general rule, because we live in a planet that's geologically unstable. She's only young. She's still growing. The major thing that hit me the most, one of my favorite star people said to me, Marianne, when you do anything, you must do it from your heart. When you speak, speak from your heart. When you act, act from your heart. When you talk, talk from your heart. And that's something that made such a profound effect on me. It hit me on a soul level, totally resonated through my whole body. And since then, that's how I've tried to live. I mean, I am human. I make mistakes and I have days when I'm grumpy and I'm shitty and I swear (laughs) like a sailor. But for the most part, when I'm dealing with others, I try very hard to live by those precepts. It's a very simple thing that you could brush Mm. past because we tend to do that. We like make it a, a platitude, like love everybody. If you could just marinate in that for a second when you speak you speak from your heart. That takes a moment of pause to really feel where are my words coming from? Am I trying to make who I'm speaking to feel better or look better? If I have an improv background and that's one of the first rules, make your partner look good. You don't ever let them fall in front of everybody and look stupid. I love that. And it reminded me of that. You know, when I'm on the phone with somebody who's trying to get me to sign up for something, speak with your heart, speak with your heart. (laughs) Those are the instances where you really have to practice. (laughs) Yeah, it's an incredible message, even though it's so simple. So simple. And I, I try very hard to live by that. And, you know, there's a saying that I really love, and it's what comes from the heart touches the heart. So when you speak from your heart, from your soul, it resonates and you put that energy out and people feel that energy. Mm. Even if they may not hear it, they'll feel it on a level. It reminds me, too, of a Maya Angelou quote. I don't know exactly how it goes, but it's like people don't remember what you say or what happened, but they just remember how you made them feel. Yeah, I find that to be true. So we were on the fear thing, which I think is so important because to be honest, I'm going through another stage of my awakening right now and spirits are coming to me frequently. And I am calling on my elders and friends who know more than me to help me with this because I don't have all the tools yet. Right. 
I know a lot of my listeners are in the same boat and they want to know what practices can we do to where you're not like gripped with fear when maybe there's a a ghost moving something on your shelf or something like that, that can be just in the moment terrifying. Yes, it can be. Okay, so there's a few things. Firstly, there are some basics that are really helpful for people. Things like grounding and shielding. Now, grounding is a tool that helps you to remain focused and balanced. And it can be as simple as looking at things in your room and saying, okay, that wall is blue, Um, the carpet's green, the sky is blue, that tree is yellow, whatever. That's one way of grounding. Another way of grounding is taking your shoes and socks off. In New Zealand, many of us go around bare feet, even into the supermarkets. It's a cultural thing here in New Zealand. But I lived in the States for a while, and I, I would still go around bare feet. And I had people come up to me and say, don't you have money to buy shoes? They're like, well, your outfit looks fine, so why won't you wear shoes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think... Also, for me, it's the way I ground the most is going bare feet. Earthing, right? Yeah. And there's actually scientific studies done on earthing and how it helps your energies. I I, I can't remember. I saw a, a video that was done on it. I think it was called earthing. So that's probably the quickest and easiest way to do it. Then if you're a person who can visualize things in your mind's eye, then you can imagine you're sitting there like you're a tree trunk growing roots into the ground. And as the roots grow down, you feel the connection with the earth. You'll feel slightly heavy. Another way is by hugging a tree. I know that's a very happy thing. (laughs) Trees have this ability to take our energies, particularly negative stuff, and they transmute it and send it into the earth. So they actually drain it from you. Boundaries are so important. A lot of people fear that if they start to open themselves up spiritually and they have spirit come around them, that they won't be able to control what happens. And most people have a lot of fear solely for two reasons. One is religious beliefs and the other is because of all the movies and all the crap that's put out on TV and in the media to create fear. One of the things that the controllers of this reality don't want people doing is waking up. They don't want people to realize that they can find their own path, that they can wake up and they don't need a religion or a spiritual belief to do so. Some people join different spiritual paths because they think that's what they have to do. People don't need to do that. Even basic spirituality as you see it is a control mechanism in here because if you don't follow these beliefs, if you don't do this, then you're not an old soul. You're not evolved. So It's really important to set personal boundaries and to set boundaries with spirit. I have really firm boundaries set with spirit. And I tell them what is not acceptable to me from them and what is acceptable to me. And they adhere to that because those are my boundaries. You will get the odd spirit that will try to push the boundary like a child, but you soon get rid of them. There's a quick tool that helps you to set boundaries. If you're not good at it for any area of your life, if you get a piece of paper and draw three circles on it, you know, one inside the other, one inside the other, on the very inner circle, write 
what you're prepared to accept in your life in the second circle out from the center one write what you're prepared to accept in your life by invitation only and this can be for any situation in the outside circle write what's unacceptable to you the physical act of doing that sets in your subconscious the boundaries so when the situation arises it's not so hard for you to say no it's almost like a vision board for your boundaries yes and the physical act of writing it out helps to set it in your subconscious so set your boundaries know what your boundaries are and verbally state them these are my boundaries aloud aloud Mm. verbally there's power in your words so verbally state them the fear first you have to recognize what it is you fear there's a saying that i like that goes like this fear equals false evidence appearing real and most people fear what it is that they don't understand and if a spirit suddenly appears in front of you yes you're going to get a fright once you get past that fear then you have to ask yourself, this is where you need to be in touch with yourself. Mm. What is it that this spirit makes me feel? Does it make me feel uncomfortable? Does it make me feel scared? Is it menacing? It's creating a pause Mm. between the first, oh shit, and then whatever your reaction is, which is maybe running out of the room or yelling. It's trying to cultivate that pause so you can say, okay, this is different. How is it making me feel before I do anything? That's what you're suggesting. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, in the heat of the moment, it's not always easy to do that. And yeah. sometimes you will just run out of the room and scream, I've yeah. done that. And I, you know, I know better. Yeah. And it's okay to be human. So the spirit just opened my cupboard, all, all my drawers. Has it done anything harmful? Or is it just opening my drawers? Why is it opening my drawers? Is it trying to get my attention? Obviously it is. So then open a dialogue, say, I see that you've done this. Verbally say it. I see that you've done this. You're wanting attention. How can I help you? Is there something you need help with? Or do you just want me to acknowledge that you're here? A lot of people are scared to acknowledge spirit because they feel that if they acknowledge them, it's all demonic. And I had to work through my religious fear. Everybody does if they've been brought up with any sort of religion, even some spiritual beliefs. They still have those fears. Now, I'm 65 this year and I've never, ever in my entire life met a demon. Do you think that's just because they are very rare or do you think that that's because you have a council of elders who are working with you and maybe protecting you. It's because they don't exist. The word demon comes from daemon, which originally meant teacher. There's a new show on TV called His Dark Materials. Each person in the show has a demon and the demon is their buddy. It's like an animal guide. Oh. It's the first time I've seen in film demon not be negative. It's so interesting that you're saying this because I'm also going to interview this guy who is an exorcist and he has literally been trained to eradicate demons. And you said they don't exist. And then I just talked to somebody else who said, you know, if you're religious, it's a demon. If you're not religious, it's an alien. What do you think about that? Yes, I've heard all that. There aren't demons, but there are interdimensional beings who have a vastly different energy from ours. So if you were to see one, they would create terror because the energy is so different. But that doesn't mean that they're evil or malevolent. It just means that the energies are different. 
But they could be, though. They could be. But we shouldn't assume that they all are. We shouldn't assume that they are. Mm -hmm. Just because they're different and their energies are different doesn't mean they're malevolent. Mm. Um, But that's what we've been taught. And part of that is a control thing. Because if people are scared, then they're easily controlled. If you are scared, then you're going to do what the authorities tell you to do. I like David Icke saying in this problem, reaction, solution. Very often, the authorities, those that control this reality or those that work for those that control this reality, will create a problem. Mm -hmm. And people will say, oh, my God, we need to give up our freedoms because if we don't, this will happen. Then they offer the solution, which takes away more of your freedoms. He's not the only one who said that. Um, He's a very controversial dude. It's funny you brought him up because I was just interviewing somebody yesterday about him. I'm curious, everything that he says, do you think it's all legit? I believe that like a lot of disinformation, uh, a lot of the way that those who control this reality work is that they will include enough truth that people resonate with what is true Mm. and disregard the lies. So in his case, he's probably on to something, but the package of material around it is not 100% legit. Yeah. He sounds batshit crazy. But then I'm like, that one thing he said, I do think he's right about that. But then he goes on these, he's known for them, these like day long tangents. He's definitely got like a throat chakra thing going on. He's very polarizing. But you know what's good about him is that he gets people to think and to question. And anything that causes you to question is not a bad thing. Right. I guess except with QAnon and people storming our capital and things like that. You know, give the people what they want and then they won't question. Provide a game for them to play that they won't realize is a game. A couple of truths. Right. Do you feel that way about a lot of the conspiracy theories that have been coming to the surface within like the past 10, 20 years? And in in the past four or five years, they've gotten really intense. A lot of the conspiracy theories have a lot of truth in them. A lot of truth. And I hate that term conspiracy theory. Do you realize that the CIA created that term and it was used to discredit free thinkers, people who went against the narrative that they were trying to portray? I did an episode when COVID first came out of my podcast called The End Game. And in it, I talk about my knowing, my understanding of the current world situation and what is happening. I talk a little bit about earth changes in the but mostly about what I know. It's only 20 minutes long, but since I posted it, it's been my number one most listened to episode. Interesting. Because people resonate with what I'm saying, whether they accept it or not, they Mm. resonate with it. They're starting to think outside of the box. Yes, it's important to question the narrative that we're constantly being fed. It's a very strong one. And there's so many layers. Oh, it's a very convoluted, very intricate web that's been woven around humanity. And part of my role here on this planet is helping people to start to break free of that. I can feel that with you, too. There's a teacher energy. It's like you're kind of teasing things out for people. 
the way you speak about your experiences is very authentic. A lot of people who tell me their stories, there's a little bit of authenticity missing. And I really appreciate that about you. So let's talk about fuck love and light, <laughs> which is something we agree on. And I'm so happy because you really never know when you talk to people about this stuff, if they're going to be like, oh, love and light to you, or if they're oh going to... Yeah. And right off the bat in like five minutes of our first talk, you were like, fuck love and light. Or I was, I don't remember. I think I see this. Yeah. And I loved it. Where'd that mantra come from? I I don't use language like that in my group because I try to keep my group vibrations very high. Oh, sorry. Um, No, 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 no. I swear like a trooper in my private life. Okay. All right. (laughs) But love and light. Every time I hear somebody say that term, I cringe. Same. Oh, honestly, I cringe because most people who say that don't believe it for a start. Most people who say that say it because they feel it makes them look good. It makes them look spiritual and spiritually advanced. And most of them don't believe what they're saying. Yeah. I'll use this example. I recently had like an astral projection experience with two beings who were very dark and ugly to my standards. The one had rotting teeth and she was an old human woman and it was her spirit. And the other one was an alien of some sort. He did look like a gray to me and he had really sharp teeth and they came and they scared me right away. I was like, oh God, this is not what I want to be working with. And they were so sweet Mm -hmm. and so kind. And their message for me was very clear. It was, you are meant to be with this darkness and not be afraid of it. And that's why we look like we do right now. Okay, I'm going to say something that I don't generally say. I work with the dark. I come from the dark. I am dark. But humans have been taught that light equals good, positive, loving, benevolent, kind, spiritual, uplifting, and dark is evil, negative, nasty, to be avoided at all costs. But In your mother's womb, it's dark. At night, it's dark. Darkness surrounds you and loves you and supports you. Sure, some parts of darkness can hide things you can't see, but it doesn't mean that they're nasty or they're evil or they're out to get you. I'm from the dark, from the mother's womb. I love that you're owning it because it's such a taboo. My understanding as a practicing witch is that there has to be a balance. Maybe you don't need love and light right now. I'm not going to say love and light in my signature in my email because I don't know what you need. Mm -hmm. I just feel like the newer waves of evangelical Christianity Mm -hmm. are just sort of wiping away all the darkness and using it as a way to make you feel afraid and stagnant. And again, it's my understanding. You see, these beings that are currently in control, the top beings, I call them the shining ones. They're absolutely beautiful. They radiate light. But they're bitchy or they're malevolent. (laughs) They are totally malevolent. But suffice it to say, and I don't use the Bible because I don't believe in it, but the war in heaven is ongoing and it's the war with my team versus those who currently control reality. This whole conversation, we keep coming back to There's the dark energies and the light energies. And within each side, there's negative, positive. All light beings are not perfect. It's a form of control. And it's created to give people the illusion of choice. 
but it doesn't actually because you have to abide by their controls and their unspoken rules. You mentioned how to handle your fears and then boundaries. What's any last piece of advice that you'd have for the listeners to help in their awakening process? I think the best thing you can do is get to know yourself, get to know your body, listen to what your body tells you, because you get messages not just in your mind, but your body tells you. Your body's an instrument. This is not who we are. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. And this body that we use is like a car that we use to get us from point A to point B. And once that car no longer serves its purpose, we discard it without much second thought. But that car has lots of tools that you can use while you're using it. And you need to understand how your car works so you can get the most out of it to help you get from point A to point B. You've explained a number of unusual experiences that you've had in your life. I always ask people at the end of these interviews, what's the most profound spiritual paranormal, supernatural experience you've ever had? I've had so many of them, but this one was really interesting because it was during the day and it was witnessed by people other than myself. Ooh. This was in New Zealand and it was with my husband who was from the States. And my youngest daughter was in the car and we were going to find my great grandmother's grave. Anyway, one of my relatives graves. And we were driving along this really old cemetery. It was the original cemetery in Hamilton, which is a small town in the center of the North Island. And this type of cemetery had these gravestones with huge heads, you know, that a person could hide behind and you wouldn't see them standing up, you know. So there was this little road that went through that we were driving on about 10 kilometres an hour and there were rows and rows of greys on each side and there was a car coming up behind us as well. Now, I was talking to Jay, who was my husband at that time, and going really slowly and out of one of these gravestones right onto the road which was right next to the car it was there wasn't much space this woman stepped out in front of the car tall slender woman she had a twin set on which is like a jersey and a cardigan which match and pearls and she had a, a pleated skirt stockings and flat shoes on very clear to see very clear she looked like she was from the 40s and she stepped out in front of the car and I slammed on the brakes and I thought oh my god I've hit her there was no way I could miss her and and Jay said oh my god you just hit that lady and I jumped out of the car the car behind me screeched well it didn't screech because we weren't going very fast but it stopped and they came out turns they said oh my god you hit that lady is she okay it wasn't your fault she stepped out in front of you there was no way you could have stopped got around the front of the car and there's nobody there wow Four, four, four witnesses. witnesses. All wow. saw her. And then we thought maybe she crawled to the gravestones. And I, I looked to the right, the gravestone she came out of. It was a photo of her on the gravestone. It was her grave. Wow. What did your husband at the time think of that? Well, they were all pretty freaked out about it. I was physically shaking. So it took a while for that physical reaction to go away. When I realized it was spirit, it still took a while for that adrenaline to leave my body. If it was just us, we could have like passed off. But the, the person in the car behind us saw her as well. So that was pretty cool. Woo-wee! I love it when there's a whopper of a ghost story just capped on to the end of the episode when you least expect it. 
That was a good one. While I was editing this episode, I thought of some questions that I wanted to follow up with. You know, sometimes you're in the heat of the moment with your guests and you just, you don't think of the obvious thing to ask unless you're Oprah and she's like a wizard and I can only hope to interview like her someday. What are the details of the pact that the U.S. government made with the aliens? Why didn't I ask that? I don't know, but I'm going to find out and get back to you. Marianne was talking about being a prepper and how the star people have consistently been telling her since she was a kid that major planetary changes are going to happen and it's going to intensely affect humanity. Have the star people given Marianne an idea of when the planetary changes might occur? That seems like a big deal. Probably shouldn't gloss over that. The last question I had is why do the controllers not want to wake us up? I understand the concept that if we're in a state of fear, it's easier to control us. Got it. But why control us? What's the benefit of it to them? Is it just as dumb as power over other entities? Or is it that there's some kind of energy that they get from it? Or, you know, I'm just curious. I've never heard this version of this story before. Generally, I hear about the reptilians from a very fear-based perspective. Marianne's the first person who's told me, oh no, there's good reptilians too. Who knew? You also might have noticed that I gave you a little sliver of the experience I had with two entities. Technically, it's three, I guess, now that I think about it. During I called it an astral projection experience. It was either that or similar to being under hypnosis. And you can find more about that experience on Patreon. That will be a bonus episode that's coming out soon called How I Was Dubbed the Princess of Darkness. And it's sort of a succession of bizarre things that have happened to me in the past year, which ended with these scary looking entities. So you can check that out at patreon.com slash follow the woo if you wish. You will be able to get that even at the, the lowest tier uh, on Patreon, but that will be a bonus episode for patrons only. There will be a second bonus episode where I interview Marianne about a very exciting ghost hunting experience she had. And she sent me like, I don't know, a dozen or so EVPs. So that will be a bonus episode. For patrons only, coming soon, first Princess of Darkness and then the chatty ghost session with loads of EVPs. You can listen to Marianne's podcast wherever you listen to podcasts or go directly to walkingtheshadowlands.com. You can also ask to be part of her group if you type in Walking the Shadowlands in the Facebook search bar. Per usual, those links will be available to you in the show notes for this episode. If you have specific questions about boundaries, ghosts, really, guys, at this point, you know. If it's about anything woo, just shoot me an email at followthewoo at gmail.com. I always want to hear what you have to say. I'm getting loads and loads of emails, which is super exciting, but also overwhelming because I never knew there were so many people who had this many experiences. So I'm doing my best to sort through all of these emails and find the best stories and book the best interviews. So there's so much more to come. All the woo is coming to you. Bye-bye. Thank you for following the Woo with me today. If you love what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to Follow the Woo wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're feeling particularly stoked about this show, please leave a review and or rating. 
You can also support this podcast by becoming a member of The Order of Woo, where you'll get community access and loads of extra goodies exclusively on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash follow the woo. The Order of Woo patrons bolster this podcast and community and allow for the creation of more content, products, services, and events over time. Every little bit helps, and I'm so grateful for the patrons who have joined the order already. If you've experienced something magical, mystical, or just downright weird and want to discuss it, or if you're interested in sharing your expertise, or if you want me to research a woo topic with you or for you, please email me at followthewoo at gmail.com. Join me next week for another woo topic, and remember, tell the truth, be nice to each other, and if it feels right... 